and you are listening to my new show, Freedom Speak, where fake news comes to die. On Albuquerque's Conservative Talk, KDAZ 96.9 FM, 700 AM, and listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. So I've been thinking a lot about tyranny, and I've been thinking a lot about these tyrants around the world that have been locking people down and, and oppressing them and taking away their rights. And, and even a tyrant we have here in the United States, Joe Biden, sleepy Joe Biden, if he's actually in charge at all, who really knows? He's probably in the basement of the White House all the time. I don't know. I doubt if he's making any of the decisions. And of course, our own local tyrant, MLG, the little tiny tyrant in Santa Fe. She's been a tyrant uh, like you wouldn't believe over the past couple of years. So I did a little bit of research on tyranny, and I did a little bit of research on tyrants, uh, the history of tyrants, and I thought it'd be kind of interesting. I'm drawing kind of a parallel to the kind of things that we've been seeing around the world. So first of all, I want to start out with the definition of tyranny as I found on the Internet unjust or oppressive governmental power, a government in which a single ruler is vested with absolute power, the office, authority, or just jurisdiction of an absolute ruler. So let's talk a little bit about some well-known tyrants of the past and examples of the unjust and oppressive tactics they use to control people through fear. We've all heard of a guy named Adolf Hitler. The reason I mention him is because many of his tactics have been used by tyrants everywhere, including the modern-day tyrants such as MLG, Justin Trudeau, Malcolm Turnbull, Gavin Newsom, and our own Joe Biden, to name a few. Before anybody says I'm making light of how horrible Adolf Hitler was, I want to clarify the point I'm making here. I'm using Hitler as an example to point out that this is where things can go if you let a tyrant totally run amok and get out of control. Hitler controlled the masses by creating a terror state. He achieved this by using several organizations to impose intimidation and brutality, which made the German people too scared to violate Nazi laws. I compared this to our ever-growing federal government, which includes many departments, agencies, and bureaus. I talked about this last week. Filled with thousands of unelected bureaucrats, all of these people blindly follow orders as cogs in a machine that is becoming ever more tyrannical by the day. These agencies include a number of three-letter organizations, such as the FBI. Remember how they've been raiding people's homes in the middle of the night? People that are just harmless, they're not violent, and yet they choose to raid them in the middle of the night, uh, nearly break down their door, and drag them out of their home uh, to, in to humiliate them. And even sometimes the mainstream news is there to uh, document the whole thing, kind of like it's all coordinated. So that includes the CIA, the NSA, the DOD, the DHS, the DEA, the EPA, the DOE, and the IRS has become pretty tyrannical themselves. <coughs> One of Hitler's organizations was the SS, or, and I hope I pronounce this correctly, Schutzstwaffel which was originally Hitler's elite personal bodyguard. It grew into a formidable, pri formidable private army made up of fanatical supporters of Hitler. He used them as his execution squad to eliminate his opponents. By 1934, the SS had been put in charge of securing Germany from internal and external enemies. They controlled the concentration camps where undesirable people were imprisoned. 
These included groups of people who the Nazis had deemed either dangerous to the state, to Nazi policies, or were to be eradicated from society. These enemies included political opponents, criminals, gypsies, Jews, and certain religious figures. Life in the concentration camps was extremely harsh. Prisoners were made to work in horrendous conditions. When reports of what prisoners experienced leaked out to the general population, increased fear of being arrested was greatly increased. This helped the Nazis keep most citizens at bay for fear of also being hauled away. This brings to my mind the gulags currently being used in Washington, D.C. to lawlessly imprison January 6th protesters for simply speaking out and being president at the U.S. Capitol last year. The conditions of these political prison camps are unthinkable. Marjorie Taylor Greene went there and could barely get in, and she witnessed it herself. In a letter from Nate DeGrave, which is currently being held there, cited by Representative Louis Gohmert of Texas, Nate stated, We experience racism from many guards on a daily basis, being the only white Republicans in the entire jail. The false narrative has been passed around the jail and to corrections officers, officers that we are white supremacists. We are not. The inmate population is predominantly black, so we are at risk being here because of this false narrative. The guards are mostly liberal migrants from Africa who have been conditioned to hate us and hate America. January Sixers have been mocked, beaten, and ridiculed by guards for singing the national anthem. The corrections officers despise our politics and the love we have for this country. At one point, an officer even yelled, and I can't say the word, F America, you know what I'm talking about, and threatened to lock us down for a week if we attempted to sing the national anthem again. During this scamdemic, we have also witnessed preachers being threatened and even arrested. I met one of them personally in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I've talked to him, talked to about him numerous times, and he held his ground. He kept his church open. They came, they arrested him, they hauled him away to, to jail. Him being the good preacher he is, he, uh, while he was there, he preached to the prisoners. He preached to the prison guards. He brought some people to Christ, and when they got out of jail, they're now attendees at his church. Attempts to divide us by claiming white people are all racist, bigoted homophobes. We now see the purveyors of hate creating division between vaxxed and unvaxxed and mask and unmask. This is all a scheme to create enemies that can later be rounded up and eliminated. Next was the SD, and I'm going to try to pronounce this word, but boy, German is tough. Sisterheitsdienst. I hope I got that right which was the Nazi Party's intelligence and security service. Under the command of Heinrich Himmler and Reinhard Heinrich, that name Heinrich, it just reminds me of something in New Mexico, <laughs> the SD aimed to keep every individual in Germany under constant supervision. After the Reichstag fire, the SD started compiling a card index of Nazi opponents. They could arrest and imprison anyone and worked on the assumption that suspects were guilty. Once imprisoned, it was difficult for anyone to prove their innocence. Kind of sounds like them January Sixers that have been held without bail, without due process in Washington, D.C. 
Imagine the SD would have, imagine if the SD would have had the access to today's technology, which includes security cameras almost everywhere, satellites, cell phones with GPS and cameras with mics, computer algorithms to track your digital activity, new automobiles and trucks equipped with GPS, remote tracking, and even auto drive systems. It is literally nearing the day when if the government deems you the enemy, if you either have your cell phone with you or are in your car, the government can order someone from any number of agencies to go pick you up. If you're in your car, the government could literally lock you in and remotely drive you to any location they want for the purpose of apprehending you. Now, thanks to the Rona fear, the government has subdued people to the point in which they will allow anything to be injected into their bodies without even questioning what it is. Maybe they will start injecting GPS trackers, trackers so that they can track you and pick you up without the need of a cell phone. This technology already exists. A lot of people don't realize that. It's already out there. Just think how this injected chip thing could go. There is talk of a vax passport, a coin shortage, and a push towards a government digital currency. I can see this already. The government is going to push this as a way to get back to normal. It will be convenient because you won't need to carry a driver's license, social security card, credit cards, or ATM cards. The chip could even contain all your medical records and monitor your vitals just in case you were in an accident. How about even containing your social, social credit score? You heard the talk about that? That's really scary. After all, this is for your safety and convenience because the government cares about you. You'll be able to verify your VAC status with a wave of your hand. With social media apps, you will also know where your friends and family are. Parents will always know where their children are, and so will the government. What would this all mean to the government? They will always know where you are. They will have access to all your medical records. The government will know everything about you all in one convenient little package. They will have total control of your ability to buy and sell, be able to track every single financial transaction, and have total access to your money. I can see that if this forced vax thing is allowed to stand and people do not stand up and say no, that this will be justification to inject anything they want into you. Your body will no longer be your own. Wouldn't Adolf Hitler have loved to hire me as his technical advisor? The SD was also responsible for tracking foreign opposition to the Nazis. This included censoring media. Here again, I see an unsettling parallel to what is going on today with mainstream news and big tech social media. Remember how the Biden administration talked about how they were going to help Facebook ensure information was adequately fact-checked? Jen Psaki also remarked that if a user is banned from one platform for providing misinformation, that user should be banned from all others. Isn't the media supposed to be the watchdog over the government? Since today's mainstream media seems to be just a propaganda arm of the government, many people count on sharing information through social media. This seems to have escalated during the presidency of Donald Trump, since he would speak directly to the people through Twitter, at least until Twitter canceled him. 
Social media has become very politicized by those that run the big tech companies. Algorithms have been developed to shape the way people think by promoting some information and suppressing or all-out blocking other information. Have you seen how Facebook no longer deletes your post? Instead, labels are attached to posts they deem false, partly false, misleading, or missing context. I believe this is done so that rather than simply censor your information and delete it, they can discredit it. So I was wondering, who exactly is deciding what information we are going to be allowed to see according to the Biden administration? Who exactly are these fact checkers that have been utilized? I found an interesting article in the Epoch Times concerning these so-called fact checkers. Facebook refers to its army of fact checkers as independent. One of these so-called independent fact checkers is a company known as Lead Stories, which is partly paid through a partnership with TikTok, a social media platform ran by a Chinese company that, owns, that owes its allegiance to the Chinese Communist Party. TikTok, which has been probed by U.S. officials as a national security threat. Additionally, the organization that's supposed to oversee the quality of fact-checkers is run by the Pointner Institute, another TikTok partner, also ran by the CCP. So now we move on to the Gestapo, the Nazi secret police. It played a crucial role in Germany's internal security. During the past couple of years in New Mexico, we have seen our tiny tyrant in Santa Fe using the state police in a similar way. The state police work under the direction of the governor and not an elected county sheriff. We have witnessed the state police and other state agencies run by appointees of the governor used to threaten small businesses into complying with illegal, unconstitutional mandates. MLG referred to us that we're not complying with her mandates as QAnon lizard people. I got news for you, tiny tyrant. We just embrace that. We're proud lizard people. I've got a lizard uh, I keep in my car in the dash just to, just to prove that. In Nazi Germany, over 150,000 informants throughout the country would report any anti-Nazi feeling to the Gestapo. The Gestapo and informants did not wear uniforms, so Germans did not know when they were being spied on. Many ordinary Germans also informed on one another for personal gain or out of jealousy. This created tension and fear throughout the country. In New Mexico, over the past couple of years, we have seen our governor set up snitch lines for people to turn in their neighbors and businesses that were not complying with mandates. Businesses have been threatened by the governor to have their business and liquor licenses revoked unless they complied and also acted as mask police for the governor to force their customers to also comply. Businesses were also told to collect contact tracing information and demand that customers provide their names and phone numbers in order to be allowed to continue doing business. I just kind of wonder if some of those businesses I visited, I, I wonder if they ever tried to call Jenny because I gave them that number. You know, 8675309, that's the number they got from me. Our governor has been working to turn New Mexicans against each other. 
After all, if you divide people, they're much easier to control. Members of the Gestapo had powers to arrest and detain those people who were considered enemies of the state or the Nazi party. These preventative arrests were carried out separately from judicial control. Those who were arrested were often violently treated prior to release or imprisonment. Gestapo tactics included murder and torture of the prisoners. We have that same version going on in, New in Washington, D.C., where people are being held under inhumane conditions in gulag-style prisons, without bail, without a speedy trial, by a jury of their peers, without due process, and cut off from visitation from their loved ones. As far as we know, nobody's been murdered in our prisons by the government, although a lot of people are still questioning what really happened to Jeffrey Epstein. In 1939, the Reich Security Head Office was formed. This amalgamated the Gestapo and the SD under the leadership of the SS. Heinrich Himmler, the head of the SS, was also in charge of the police. This meant no one investigated the crimes committed by the Nazis. Hmm. Been hearing about the talk lately about uh, John Durham in which uh, this thing that's been dragged out on this stuff that's obvious to so many of us that the Hillary Clinton campaign was, in fact, spying on the Trump campaign. So, and, and, and what they did was, like, so much worse than Watergate, and yet the, the left is just kind of sweeping it under the rug. Special people's courts made sure that opponents of the Nazis charged with treason were found guilty, even if there was little or no evidence. Judges had to swear an oath of loyalty to the Nazis. This gave the Nazis greater power over the sentencing of political enemies and those deemed to be criminals. What we basically see here is that the Nazi party ran everything. No due process, no accountability, and every agency simply followed the will of the Nazi party. We've seen over the past couple of years the president and governors in, the, in our country, as well as other world leaders all over the world issuing mandates, decrees, and executive orders without any legislative due process to reflect the will of the people. This has all been done under the guise of a pandemic emergency in which all laws, processes, freedom, and liberty are suspended. Lastly, there was the army under the direction of the Nazi party. The army became a visible presence in everyday German life. Flags, symbols, and uniformed troops on the streets all created a clear impression of the power of the Nazi government. Together with the use of informants, this made people very cautious in raising any opposition to the Nazi policy or rule. I love our military, and I know a lot of veterans. I believe in this country that they would never serve a tyrannical government and turn against we the people. I hope I am right. Other tyrants such as Joseph Stalin created intentional food shortages to literally starve certain elements of the population to death. And we're seeing a lot of shortages right now. We, we have seen where this current president has intentionally, we were, we, were, we were energy independent. Now we're not anymore. He intentionally created a foreign dependency in which we now rely on Russia for oil and energy and China we're seeing food shortages in the stores. We're seeing empty shelves. We're seeing gas prices that have nearly doubled. What, what president that loves our country and actually is there to serve the people 
would create these conditions intentionally. And, and not only that, but opening up the borders and just letting illegals just flood over the borders by the thousands. I mean, their, mil- their, their numbers in this country are now in the millions of how many that are here, and we have no idea where they are. We are, have no idea who they are, what they're going to do. The reason I point out events in history is because we can use it as a lesson of how, if a certain set of circumstances exist, certain outcomes can be expected. Human nature doesn't change. Given the opportunity, some people are capable of great evil. As the old saying goes, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is why we have checks and balances in this country. This is why the Founding Fathers created three branches of government. This is why we, the people, are on the top of the power structure, or at least we're supposed to be, unless people voluntarily give up that power. We often hear how the enemies of freedom often use Alinsky tactics as a weapon against us. One of their favorite tactics to utilize is the use of constant pressure. And they've certainly been doing that. The idea here is that eventually they will wear you down until you give up and comply. As freedom-loving Americans and New Mexicans, we can use that same tactic against them. We can keep up the pressure of constant non-compliance. Eventually, the tyrants and those that are supporting them will grow tired and give up. Look at the shining example of this happening with the Canadian truckers. They've been holding the line at the border and at the Canadian capital. Others have been rising up to support them with fuel, firewood, food, volunteering time to cook, and gathering at the rally points with them to show their support. I love how people have showed up with gas cans when the government stole their donated fuel from the base camp in Ottawa. As a result of their courage and sacrifice, concessions are being made by the government and cities across the country. They're removing the mandates. This is the power of peaceful non-compliance. Another Alinsky quote to remember is, the threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. Our enemies are trying to control us through fear and intimidation. You're not alone. There's a lot of us. There are more of us than there are of them. You know, this fear and intimidation, they've kept up this pressure of the fear and intimidation for a couple of years, over, well, going on over two years now. Yesterday I was out in uh, Socorro, and... I went to a restaurant there, and I was almost the only person there not wearing a mask. They weren't enforcing any kind of mask mandate. I don't even think they even had a sign on the door. Yet, people have been so conditioned that now they just do it without thinking about it. They, you know, they, they, their brain has just, like, been rewired, I think, and now it's like, just putting on their clothes, everyone, well, got to put on my mask. I want to conclude my open with a few quotes by Mahatma Gandhi. By the way, Mahatma stands for great leader. And Martin Luther King, Jr. Mahatma Gandhi quotes, Civil disobedience becomes a sacred duty when the state has become lawless or corrupt. And a citizen who Barters with such a state shares in its corruption and lawlessness. So when you comply with the tyrants, you're giving them power. 
Civil disobedience is not only the natural right of a people, especially when they have no effective voice in their own government, but that it is also a substitute for violence or armed rebellion. Through peaceful noncompliance, we can avoid this becoming violent. We just simply, all of us get together and say, no, I'm not going to comply, I'm not going to do that. What are they going to do, arrest all of us? Another thing he said was disobedience that is wholly civil should never provoke retaliation. I think that's true. Now, some quotes from Martin Luther King Jr. We who engage in nonviolent direct action are not the creators of tension. We merely bring to the surface the hidden tension that is already alive. And I, I became convinced that non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. And the last one, of course, there is nothing new about this kind of civil disobedience. It was seen sublimely in the refusal of Shadrach, Masach, and Abed, uh, Abednego to obey the laws of Nebuchadnezzar because a higher moral law was involved. It was practiced superbly by the early Christians who were willing to face hungry lions and the excruciating pain of chopping blocks before submitting to certain unjust laws of the Roman Empire. So the reason I share this stuff with you guys is I'm not trying to be judgmental and I'm not trying to judge you on your level of what you're doing to push back. I, you know, I've been very vocal about my level of non-compliance, which has been total. I've had total non-compliance. That's me. I mean, that's, that's the kind of person I am. I can do that. I, I, I just say, no, I'm not going to do it. And, and not only that, but I've, I'm in a situation in which I'm self-employed. I've got a little bit more flexibility. But one thing I want to point out is these truckers in Canada, they're, a lot of these guys have sacrificed everything. They've lost their jobs. They've been fired by the trucking companies they were working for. They've got their families with them, and they're living in the truck, and they're protesting as a family. They're putting everything on the line. So how much can you put on the line? Now, news is, is that we're going to be starting our own trucker convoy here in the United States, and it's going to begin on March 7th. And if you can help these guys out somehow, donations, help them out with fuel. Heck, when the convoy, if it goes through Albuquerque, <laughs> hop in your vehicle and join it. <laughs> I might just do that for a couple of days myself. I might just be on the road for a couple of days cruising along with the convoy. Anyway, so, um, so today with me I have Jay Block, and he is running for governor. And him and I were having a conversation on the phone the other day, and I was telling him what I was going to be talking about today, and I said, Jay, you'd be perfect to join me in this conversation. And so I've got him here with me today. So, hey, Jay, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Appreciate uh, you having me and uh, Chrissy here. A um, little bit about myself. Uh, originally from Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, I left there after high school to enlist in the Air Force Reserve for some college money. I didn't have any money. Uh, my parents were, were not wealthy by any means. I was uh, born into poverty 
Um, my parents had some drug and alcohol issues, lost their jobs. I had to overcome a learning disability of dyslexia and um, really just wanted to um, find a way to uh, achieve my dreams. So I, I enlisted in the Air Force Reserve, went out to college in North Dakota. It was a lot cheaper to go to college in the upper Midwest than it was in uh, New England. And I had a goal to become an officer in the Air Force, and I went off and did that for over 20 years, serving my country as a as a nuclear officer, uh, Minuteman Three launch officer, one of the guys sitting underground pulling nuclear alert, who had the nuclear codes of the country. Uh, also represented the country twice on foreign soil in the Netherlands and Ascension Island. Did my time at the Pentagon doing nuclear policy and volunteered to go to Afghanistan. I didn't have to go. I was a nuclear guy and uh, went over as a brand new Pindon major and ended up driving around uh, Afghanistan for uh, a little while over there and retired in 2016 here at Kirtland Air Force Base and got into private industry doing uh, consulting and also ended up as a uh, running for county commissioner to continue to serve um, my what I felt was not just my country but my community in my state of New Mexico as a county commissioner won the election turned Sandoval County Republican for the first time and we've uh, been able to do just a lot of amazing things having conservatives control the county commission up there and uh, I can talk about more of that later but that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell uh, you know last week uh, I, I got engaged uh, to uh, Chrissy here to my left and uh, we're looking forward to just a, a wonderful, wonderful life together if um, she can put up with me. <laughs> so uh, just so you know, this is radio, but Jay's got a really beautiful um, fiance here. And Chrissy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, thank you. So nice to meet you, Rebecca. Nice um, you just a little bit about me. I'm a junkyard girl from New Hampshire. I own a salon and spa. Um, I've always been for the underdog, and Jay and I met um, in, during the pandemic, um, August 2020, and he connected with me, and I was on a rant because I have a small business, and I was all fired up because I'm like, well, wait a second. I've been dealing with having to wear a mask for all this time. Masks create anxiety for so many people, and being behind the chair is just so important to make people feel good and look good, and I, I had to cut back my hours, and I was, it's just we shouldn't be covering our faces. Um, so uh, we related right off. He didn't, like, just push me aside. He actually, he's like, no, I, I understand. And I was like, oh, my gosh, someone who gets it. So it's nice to be amongst people in New Mexico that get it, and we're for all freedoms. Be who, who you want to be. Um, vaccinated, unvaccinated, no shaming. I am so against shaming, and I just believe everyone should be um, honoring each other. Yeah. And no one should be controlling anyone. And I'm half, I'm half Jewish, I was raised Jewish, and so I, I've been saying for a long time, this is like Hitler what yeah. he did to the people and it starts small it and people can say that I'm crazy but um, I'm not crazy and clearly I'm meeting you and to hear you thank you for sharing and speaking the truth yeah you know a lot of people don't understand that that don't understand history is that Hitler didn't just go straight to just marching people to the gas chambers he started off small yeah. you know he worked his way up and this is what happens when you let a tyrant have more and more power. 
they become more and more tyrannical. And this is what I've been talking about. I, I saw this right from the beginning when all of this started. I, I said no right from the beginning. I said no. This is ridiculous. It's like, fine, you can, you can advise me that, that you think I should do whatever you know, this thing is. But ultimately, I'm a free American. I never stopped being a free American. The Constitution never went away. No matter what emergency or anything else that's going on, the Constitution never goes away. I never not become a free American. I still have my choice. And the things that have gone on, like with businesses, totally unconstitutional. I mean, you have a right to start a business. I mean, this is supposed to be the land of opportunity. I mean, why are so many people trying to sneak into this country to get in here any way they can? It's because they think it's the land of opportunity in which they can come here and they can be successful and they can do, do things that they can't do in other places. And the one thing that this government has done, or this governor in this state has done, that I thought a lot about is that she has made it so that why in the world would anybody take the risk to start a business in New Mexico, knowing that at any moment the government can ju- governor can just come along and shut them down. You you know you know never long you no longer have a right to start a business and be successful as you can be. Now the government can come in and shut it down anytime they want. I don't know, Jay. What's your thoughts on on this parallel that I'm seeing on this? You know, when this whole thing started in March of 2020, um, you know, I I didn't understand. You know, I'll give you the two weeks because we just didn't know. But then those two weeks turned into two months. And then what I saw as an elected official up there and talking to my constituents and especially small business owners was, why is Walmart and Costco open, but yet I can't be open? Why am I non-essential? Um, so that's when you know we decided to stand up and say, hey, um, governor, we're gonna pass a resolution saying uh, small businesses should be treated like big business. And why is it that the movie companies could come here from out of state and work? And Chrissy and I were in Old Town. They were filming a movie down there. And yet you saw these other businesses that, that couldn't, New Mexicans couldn't, you know, support their families or anything like that. So I, I just, I was very upset about that. And then, you know, I was very upset with the schools shutting down, the churches shutting down as well. That, that to me was just wrong as, as Americans. I mean, I, I served in uniform for about 25 years protecting uh, and defending the Constitution of the United States and the rights of all. It doesn't, you know, the Constitution's for every American. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, gay, straight, Jewish, Catholic, Muslim. It doesn't matter. We're all Americans and we all have equal rights. And we should have equal access to, you know, support our families and, and uh, make a living. So that's when I really started thinking about running for governor because she was doing, you know, what, what you just said early in your monologue talking about, uh, you know, people dividing us. You know, you had business owners snitching on other business owners here in New Mexico. You had uh, other people, you know, putting Facebook uh, pages out there of, hey, who's this person not wearing a mask and turn them in. Um, I, I just, I couldn't take it. I was just disgusted by it. And, you know, uh, you know, Chrissy went to Hebrew school and, and my dad's side is Jewish. And when I was over in Europe, I went to Auschwitz and, da- and Dachau. And uh, I'm a history guy. And uh, being in Afghanistan and seeing what oppression and tyranny did to the Afghan people, I, I don't want to see that here in our country. 
And it's disappointing to see what I thought were freedom-loving countries like Canada, Australia, and New Zealand doing the same thing. And now, thankfully, we're seeing some countries around the world saying, we're done with the mask mandate. We're done with the vaccine uh, passports, forced vaccines, because they realize none of it's working. So this whole thing of based on science has been a complete disaster from the governor with her shutdown and then those stupid color-coded things. We just went through record COVID. COVID's real. We all know that. It's real. I had it. Chrissy had it. I had it. You had it. Yeah. COVID's real. I got it. Absolutely. Um, but where I was going with this was, you know, we're being treated differently based on, and I, I don't wear a mask. Um, I don't comply. I had to pick Chrissy up in the airport in Albuquerque, and at the top of the stairs, the restaurant opened on the right, and there's people out in the hall, right in the foyer, sitting there with not a mask with a bottle of water. I'm sitting in the middle with no mask, with no bottle of water, and the security guard came up to me and said, you got to put a mask on. I said, I'm 15 feet from them, and they're not wearing a mask, and you're telling me I need to wear one? Well, that's the rule. And I said, well, can you tell me how scientific that is? And the guy said, put a mask on or we're going to arrest you. Right. Not asking questions. Not asking. Yeah. People aren't asking questions. So I, I can't. I mean, there's no common sense. But it gets back to what the governor did with this color-coded scheme. Because, you know, she said, all right, if you're at, you know, red, it's only curbside, you can't come in. You know, yellow, green, then that turquoise color as well. And then we just had record number of COVID cases in the state. How come she didn't go back to that? She said we were following the science. Right. Why? Why? because she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. No. She wants more control. It reminds me of House Joint Resolution 6 to curb the governor's emergency powers during, during an emergency. I'm a limited government type of guy. I don't want that power. If I have to declare an emergency for say 30 days, 60 tops I would imagine, I would go back to the legislature and say, hey, I, I need these powers for an additional 30 days. Can you give them to me? If you can't, Okay, you know what? That's to check some balances of the country. I get that. But this is a governor who has shamed people, calling them names. Uh, you know, she was up in Espanola just, just crapping on everybody up there because she saw some people not wearing a mask or masks hanging in the, in the uh, mirrors of their cars. I mean, this woman has no idea about leadership because she's violated her own COVID mandates with her jewelry and her hair and nails. She's been partying up like a rock star on, you know, um, on her houseboat up there, um, on one of the lakes up there. Uh, you know, she has um, put us back, uh, you know, remember in November of 2020, she put us back, um, you know, in lines in the cold when she was having that expensive beef. Oh, oh yeah, I was in and, one of those, uh, I call it yeah. a, a, a bread line. Yeah, I was in one of those bread lines outside the Walmart in Edgewood. Yeah, I, I was I was at a, um, I was in line at uh, Walmart and Rio Rancho by my house. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just completely disgusted by this governor with her, her lies. Um, I'm disgusted by her, her behavior toward the border. I've been to the border twice here in New Mexico. A couple weeks ago, I was in Texas with a group of veterans uh, down with the border patrol and we saw um, about, oh, I'd say 15 kids age, under age, uh, about seven to 16 years old, come across the border. The border patrol stopped them. They looked pretty rough and they were from Guatemala and Honduras. And they had these bands, these wristbands, which are cartel wristbands. And I asked the border patrol agent, what do you do with these kids? And they said, well, we take them into custody and then they tell us, um, they want to go see their relative. 
whatever relative it is. It's not vetted. It's they're going into the sex and uh, trafficking industry. Right. I mean, who knows H- if it's really a relative? Exactly. We don't know. Exactly. But we've had over two million. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, that's allergy. We we had over two million uh, illegals come in since this uh, this guy's been in the White House, and this has been a disaster for drugs. I mean, you've seen a record number of drugs, drug overdoses in the country in 2020, over 100,000. Record number of illegals coming in that are working for the cartel and who knows who else. Uh, record numbers of sex trafficking, human trafficking, employment trafficking. This is a humanitarian crisis. It's also a national security issue here. Yeah. And Washington doesn't care, and the governor here doesn't care. You have also seen the governor rip down our culture here in New Mexico. You saw it happen. Yeah. I mean, we have a great history, but you know, people make mistakes in history, but you should still be celebrating our history. And to attack our Hispanic history here in New Mexico is just unconscionable. And yet the police are watching these thugs rip down monuments here in New Mexico, and they're not doing anything about right. it. I mean, why aren't they just... Uh, you would normally think that in a, in, in, a, in a sane world that these people are destroying public property. Uh, you would think that the police would come in and just round them all up and say, okay, you're all under arrest and we're going to sort this out later. You know, that's that's the way it's supposed to work. It was right there in Santa Fe, and Mayor Weber up there told his police, let it go. I mean, that goes against his oath right there. Right. Uh, you know, uh, you're carrying out the duty of the laws in the Constitution of New Mexico and the United States. So, you know, I, I, I think he should be thrown out of office, but unfortunately he get reelected. Um, you know, he's he's just useless. Well, uh, it's total dereliction of duty. Exactly. And it's like you're seeing a lot of these politicians, I mean, right from the president on down, you're seeing these people where they're violating their oath. You know, honestly, I was thinking about this the other day, and there's a lot of talk about how the Republicans are likely going to take the Congress, House and Senate, both by a significant margin. Do you know what I think their first action should be the, the day that they take office? Impeachment. Impeach Biden and Harris both. Yep. Both of them. Yep, because they, they have gone against their oath. They have. Absolutely. In this country, and again, you know, um, Afghanistan has been a very— and Chrissy knows this. It's been a very difficult issue for me over the years, and, and more so last summer when we saw what happened there in Afghanistan with Biden leaving Americans behind. Um, I have a—my um, interpreter's family is there. We tried to get them out. They've gone black. I, I have no idea what's going on with them. I have no contact with them anymore. Then you see North Korea launching more missiles. You see China being way more aggressive uh, you see people in America fearing to stand up to China. Uh, you see the Russians right now ready to um, invade Ukraine. I mean, you know, and we're more concerned with critical race theory in the military. Um, you know, the military is there to do two things. Well, really three things. You know, defend the United States and our allies in our interests abroad. But it's also there to provide a deterrence. And when that doesn't happen, it's there to break things and kill people. That- that's exactly what I was going to say. And, Kill people and break things. And that's, that's their main. It, it, that's their main job. And uh, you know, I've been I've been over there in the war zone, and the last thing I want to do is is see our country at war. But we are weak. We are so weak in this country, and everyone can everyone sees it because you got this guy in the White House who is he doesn't know what he's doing. I don't think he's very competent. I think he's got some cognitive issues with dementia, and he is just the worst president. I've ever seen in my lifetime. I'm 51. I know Chrissy and I are the same age, but she looks like she's 23. But uh, 
it's it's the worst this is the worst i've ever seen this country in my lifetime and it scares me and this is why i'm also running for governor because this state and you know this this state has never been in a, a, a worse position no never. never ever has this state been in a worse position I, I loved it here when i first moved here i love the i love the the outdoors i like the combination of the mountains and the desert and i like the weather but this government this 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 governor and this mayor, even in Albuquerque, yeah. these people are making this place a miserable place to live. It's like one thing that is so great about this state, and it's that this is it's been partially destroyed. That I love to do is I love love to go to different restaurants. I love to go eat out, and and New Mexico used to have the most diverse collection of restaurants, and now the ones that are still left, a lot of them are struggling. Yeah. And they can't even find people to work there. No, because um, this is February of 2022, and the state is still paying out money to keep people at, at, right. at home. You, you know this, right? Yeah. And we've lost almost 300 restaurants around, around New Mexico, 40% of our small businesses. And you cannot find uh, – we were just looking at going to a restaurant um, uh, last week, me and two of my staffers, and it was – where was that? We were looking at going. Anyway, but it was shut down. It was it – was, um, they closed early. I'm like, what's the problem? We, we don't have people to work. And it's, you know, and really that's chipping away at our culture because in New Mexico, we love our food. Yes, I, I think, and someone can argue with me, but you'll be wrong, is we have the best food in the United States here in New Mexico. I mean, that's one thing that has impressed uh, Chrissy as well. Yeah. The, the culture here, yeah. uh, the weather, the history, the scenery, how it's so diverse from everything from from white sands to the forest in northern New Mexico um, to the Sandias to, you know, just the, the beautiful desert here. I, it's an amazing place and it has so much potential. Uh, but the policies have just put New Mexico as an island of poverty in the southwest. And it really upsets me because there's so much potential, not just with the uh, the natural resources that we have here in New Mexico, but the people as well with the labs, the Air Force bases, I mean, it's just incredible. The, the universities and our kids are leaving. Yeah. And it's got to stop. Yeah, you're right. <coughs> you know, one thing that last week on, on my show last week, uh, the topic was the destruction of civilization. The left is how they're trying to destroy our civilization. And it's, and it's all about this great reset, this Agenda 2030, and all of this stuff they're putting in place. I mean— I don't know why more people, I mean, thank goodness, more and more people seem to be waking up. I think it's just the right amount of pain has to be inflicted before people finally wake up and say, oh, hey, I'm not going to do this. I mean, I'm seeing Democrats flipping to Republican one right after the other. You know, I, I, as you know, I'm, I'm working with Audrey Trujillo on her campaign, yep. and we're traveling all over the state, you know, just like you've been. And we've been registering people, getting them to sign her petition, and they'll say, oh, well, I'm a Democrat. I said, well, aren't you really tired of the way things? Yes, I am. It's like, I hate it. And it's like, why don't you switch to Republican? And they said, you know, I think I'll do that. And I've had a number of people do that. We have re-registered a number of people as Republicans because they are sick of it. Well, let, let, me, let me just um, inter interrupt there for a minute because uh, there's a couple things. Number one is we need Audrey Trujillo in office. I yes, we do. Plug in for Audrey. Uh, she will be a great Secretary of State because uh, she is she's a fighter. I mean, that woman 
you don't want to mess with Audrey Trujillo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. It's that simple. She's tough. <laughs> She's a tough lady, and her and her husband are just, uh, they're great Americans. But what you said is, I, you know, you got to go back and watch Ronald Reagan's speech in October 1964. It was a month before Barry Goldwater. And it's like an 18-minute speech. Go watch it and listen to what Reagan was talking about because he had a vision of what America could be if the socialists and the left had their way. And we've been asleep at the wheel. Um, you know, quite frankly, Rebecca, it's your fault where we're at. It's my, my fault. fault. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. Yeah. It is. It's our fault. Do you know why? Because we didn't vote in school board elections. We didn't pay attention to what our kids were learning. You're right. We didn't vote for we didn't we didn't go to the polls and vote for city councilors or mayors. We were on autopilot and asleep at the wheel because we just assumed, you know, we're going on through our life. Everyone's busy, you know, trying to make money and support their family and raise their kids and do everything else. We were asleep at the wheel. And then they started creeping in, creeping in, creeping in. Now people are like Holy crap. This this is bad. And and the left isn't learning. They are still going further and further left. I mean, Joe Biden now is buying crack pipes. Right. right. <laughs> for, Issuing for crack people. pipes. Issuing they're crack calling pipes. it they're calling it a I think they're calling it a smoke kit or something like that. But it's like I'm sorry, it's crack pipes. Yeah, and it's right. like it's like aren't we supposed to discourage people from bad behavior, not encourage it? It's like it's like they're they're doing everything they can to encourage bad behavior. Defund the police and they're and they're letting like in in the Albuquerque area, we're said to see more and more of these encampments popping up all over the place. Along the highway, in the city, everywhere. I mean these tents are popping up all over the place. These people are breaking the law. They're, you're not allowed to camp in the city. It's like, so why aren't they getting them out of there? It's like they're not enforcing the laws. Oh, it goes, it goes beyond that. You know, think about San Francisco. It used to be a beautiful city. Oh God, I mean, who the hell wants to go to San Francisco now? Because now, you know, you, you, you've seen the videos of like the Walgreens or the CVS where people are going and they're just taking whatever they can because there's that rule. You can take whatever you want up to $900 and it's not a crime. And it's here, Rebecca, in yeah. Albuquerque as well, because the police are not going to respond. There was a young kid who almost who, who almost got killed stopping a shoplifter here in Albuquerque last year. Because the criminals are just more blatant. They're more aggressive because, you know, you get rid of bail. They're just going to go do something else. Then you say, well, we're not going to prosecute these crimes. Then they're going to do that and, and start, you know, getting more and more aggressive and, and committing more crimes. You have to have law and order. The Democrats hate law and order because they like dividing us. They like keeping us scared. They like keeping us indoors. They don't want us communicating with each other. They don't want us to go to the gym to be physically healthy or church, to be spiritually healthy or go to school, to have some knowledge and uh, have some critical thinking to understand what these evil people are doing. And this is why even Republicans, by the way, concert, well, I'll say Republicans, uh, are getting voted out of office in some school boards here in New Mexico. We saw it in Roswell. There's two Republicans down there in Roswell on the school board that got beat by conservatives because they were not standing up for the kids when it came to the mask mandate. Right. You're seeing kids in school get bullied and treated differently by teachers because of the mask. I hear there's a, a lady in Roswell, Tr Tracy Delarosa. Uh, I went to a meeting down there and I saw her uh, speak at a school board meeting and I, I had to go down there the next day and someone said, hey, you gotta look at this uh, video of what happened. Now we're being called domestic terrorists because we're going to the school board to complain. The one good thing about COVID, in my opinion, that happened, was we as parents got to actually see what our kids were learning in the class. Right. And it scared us big time. And now they don't want us 
to help because now the kids are going back. Some of them, some schools are still, you know, a little bit weird about that, but it, it really, really makes a lot of people nervous. This is why you're seeing more and more record numbers of parents pulling their kids out of public school because it's a disaster. They don't want them learning that stuff. Go learn how to read, write, do math, get some skills. Don't be teaching us anything about gender studies or critical race theory or any of that stuff. That's not your job as the government. Let, right. let the parents That's teach. The parents That's job. the parents' job. Yeah. I want, I want my tax dollars. It's like this Black Education Act, HB 43. I had a teacher from Ask Academy. Have we talked about this? No, I don't think so. Ask Academy. She sent me a message on my website, uh, blockfreenewmexico.com, if you want to donate. <laughs> so <laughs> she sent me this message, and she said, hey, you've got to check into this HB 43. The, um, and I was against the bill. And I caught a lot of criticism from the Republican establishment because I spoke out against a state rep who's running for governor who who supported the bill. Well, the bill talks about this curriculum that needs to be taught to the staff in the Black Education Act. So this teacher from Ask Academy sent me a message and I talked to her. She's like, hey, you got to check into this. This is being taught. The contractor teaching is a guy named Amir Chapel, who turns out when she found this out and we verified it is a convicted felon. And this is a guy who said, the Black Education Act is critical race theory, and critical race theory is good, and you need to let black students swear in class so they feel more connected to their teachers. This Black Education Act was sold to everybody as it will help us reduce the, um, the gap between black and white students. It was a complete lie. It was a complete lie. You know, we gotta be teaching kids the basics. You know, two plus two is four. There's no racism in math. There well, just apparently isn't. The, apparently it is. There's no racism That's in math. That's why they're saying that math is racist. You know, you have a you have a lieutenant governor running named Ant Thornton, who's got a PhD in aeronautical engineering. Yeah. You ask Ant if there's racism in math or engineering. There isn't. Right. This is completely ridiculous what they're trying to do uh, to us here uh, in the United States. Yeah. Um, I have one thing to say. We yeah. Need, go ahead. We need truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and we need to squash this fear um, and with the fear yes there is the virus but ivermectin works in early detection um, for any cancer any disease um, you can go to my goodness covid19criticalcare.com those are the frontline doctors oh yes i love and that they're amazing. I met Simone Gold. Oh my that. God, I've been wanting to. She's yeah. amazing. She, she came to Albuquerque and she was at uh, Legacy Church yeah. and uh, she gave a presentation there and she was amazing. And I met her and she's a really amazing person and she gave the best presentation. I streamed it on my Facebook web webpage. Well, I'm gonna have to go on there. Yeah, it's it's you have to dig way on down there. It's, it's well, I will there. dig because yeah. we need the truth. Well, yeah. This this is this goes back to the censorship issues that you talked about. I mean, who are these fact checkers? Why is it now that you're censoring doctors and you're censoring um, you know radio hosts and television people for their views? You know, there used to be something called academic freedom on the campuses of the United States and in the universities. Now there isn't. I mean, you know you have to get in line and think this way or you're going to be censored and canceled. Right. Um, you know, I talked to my doctor about, um, you know, some of my health decisions in regards to the, the vaccine, whether or not to get vaccinated. I said, hey, I've, I've had COVID. 
Um, I'm still relatively kind of young. I don't have any uh, health conditions. And my doctor said, you don't need it. You don't need it because she was uh, more of, of pro-vaccine, not that she's against the vaccine. She believes it should be an individual basis based on your health issues with your doctor. And I do too. And, you know, she is, um, you know, kind of alluded to some things where certain things that she just can't say. And that's the problem here. A lot of people are in fear because, you know, they, they can't say what they, their opinion, whether it's right or wrong. That's your First Amendment right. That's it. It's your First Amendment right. And for big tech and the government to sit there and basically cancel you or label you as a terrorist for showing up at a school board meeting or the White House coordinating with big tech to censor opinions, that's fascism. Yeah. These, the, the Democrats, the left, they're the fascists by far. Um, you know, I will never, ever, as governor, shut anybody down because of their opinion. And I certainly, like the governor, has um, overruled some school boards and shut them down. I'll never do that. That's Let the people deal with the school board members at the election. That, that's my philosophy. You elected them, you keep them, or you get rid of them. It's not my job, because I might not agree with them as governor, to uh, dismiss them. I had a, a short discussion at the think we were at in truth or consequences the other night with one of these sitting school board members yeah it was good to see you there too by the way yeah and i uh told her i says why don't you guys stand up and say we're not going to comply why don't you end this and she said we can't because we're still outnumbered by the democrats and they absolutely just totally believe this stuff and they're not going to do it so one thing i can tell parents is y'all need to if, if you're, you need, first of all, you need to send letters to your school board members. You need to show up to meetings. And you know what I would also do? I would all talk to your children. Talk to your children. Say, hey, get with your friends in school. Organize. Refuse to comply. And, I, and I'll back you up on whatever happens. I, I will back you up. Yeah, the kids are just getting... Um I think the ripple effects uh, for our children are going to be, we're going to see them for years to come. Yeah. Because, you know, some of the kids who have autism or some of the kids who have um, some hearing issues uh, aren't able to learn because of the mask. And there's so many more things that we can talk about the next segment. So, Jay, uh, we're coming up on a break. So why don't we resume this after the break and uh, we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> 